Hey, this is Mike Brake, and I'm the pastor at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. I want to say thank you for stopping by our podcast today. We really do believe that you're only one step away from the relationship with God that you've been wanting. So I hope the message today gives you encouragement, gives you some vision so that you can take that next step towards freedom. Enjoy the message. Today, we're going to talk about dealing with the mind game of loneliness, dealing with, with being lonely. Have you ever been... Um, alone or felt alone. I remember one time specific, specifically for me where I felt alone. It was 2011 and I was in Texas Ranger Baseball Stadium. It was the World Series. Now I'm a diehard St. Louis Cardinal baseball fan and it just so happened that that year it was St. Louis Cardinals versus the Texas Rangers 2011 and I, had the, the, I was fortunate enough to go to game five. Now the series was tied two to two, so no team was gonna, whoever won that night, no team was gonna win the World Series. But whoever won that night might really tip the balance of who's gonna win the series. Texas won that night, but the Cardinals ended up winning game six and game seven, so I'm, I'm happy and excited. But that night, I felt alone. It was, uh, as the game went on, I'm in Texas Stadium. I'm a Cardinal fan. We're outnumbered greatly. Like in my section, I'm probably the only Cardinal fan. I look at the other sections, there's like one Cardinal fan per section. So whenever something great happens for the Rangers, I mean, the stadium, 40, 50,000 people just erupt and they're going nuts. Something negative happens towards the Rangers and they boo or they sit down and the, the few Cardinal fans are like, yeah, way to go. Yay. Well, that's all fine and dandy until it's about two to two in the seventh inning and they only play nine innings in baseball and it's getting a little bit more intense with every inning, with every pitch, the tension, the anxiety, the, the intensity of the game is just building and building and building. And it's in the bottom of the seventh and Texas is threatening to score and the anticipation of them maybe taking the lead and winning the game, maybe leading to winning the World Series is mounting until the Cardinal pitcher fires a, a fastball with two strikes in the count and strikes the dude out. And everybody sits down. And me, I'm so excited as the Cardinal fan. Yeah! You know, the only one in my, you know, I'm cheering them on. And I'm having a great time until I hear a few rows in front of me. I'll keep it clean. Sit down and shut up. And there might have been a little bleep, 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 bleep in there too. And I realized, oh, I'm a tiny dude. <laughs> Not a big, like, I, I could work out my whole life and I'm still going to be a little dude. I'm alone. <laughs> yes, sir, I will sit down <laughs> and I will shut up and go Cardinals, you know, be quiet. Like if the Cardinals win this game, I might not live to celebrate <laughs> if they win the World Series. Like calm it down, Mike, calm it down. Um, Feeling alone. I started having some, some, some things run, race through my mind, some scenarios racing through my mind that, you know, may never play out. Well, in our, in our lives, when we wrestle with loneliness and we feel alone, it can cause us to um, play some, some mind games, to cause some things to go through our mind. We we've, we've wrote down some things here, things that are stressing and, and anxiety, bringing anxiety in our lives, and maybe we feel alone. It could be neglect, just growing up as a child and you were neglected as a child. It could be just moving to a new town, taking on a new job, or going into a new school, and we feel 
alone. It could be in a marriage where the divorce hit and you didn't see it coming. You never saw it coming. And now we're feeling alone because of this breakup. It could be a death and that we're grieving and we feel alone. It could be a marriage that we feel alone even when we're married because this wasn't what I expected when we got married. Or even today, social media. I feel like, I kind of feel sad because I feel like never more have we been so connected in our lives and known by so many yet feel alone. I, I'm, my 20 year high school reunion is coming up and class of 1999, go, go Wildcats, like I'm super excited. But um, just this past week, we started a Facebook group to start planning the 20 year reunion. And I'm starting to get a little bit of anxiety about how it may be to grow up in the world of social media because everybody's posting pictures from 1999 in high school and they're posting pictures of us and it's funny and we look weird and we're wearing weird jeans and all this stuff. And I use the term us loosely because I ain't in there. I'm like, Man, they were having a lot of fun. Maybe I wasn't as cool as I thought I was. Like, what, you know, and it starts to play some mind games with us, this thought of being alone. And the more we spend time with loneliness and the more we wrestle with loneliness, the more she will speak to us and say, yeah, you, you are alone. You're, you're, the, you're the only one. In our enemy, Satan, he wants you to believe that you are the only one going through those circumstances. That you are all alone. And the more time you wrestle with that, then you start playing the, the blame game. You're like, well, I blame myself. I'll blame, blame other people. And you start to think, well, no one even cares about me anyway. Like, I can't trust people Again, I'm just going to get burned again. Maybe I am really all alone. And we start to believe these lies in dealing with loneliness. Let me tell you something. Christianity, Jesus, is a reminder that you are not alone. One of, the, one of the names given to Jesus is Emmanuel. We hear that, O come, O come, Emmanuel, around Christmas time. Emmanuel literally means God with us. And we look around. You're not, you are not here by accident. And you are not here alone. We may feel alone, but today we're going to battle against the lies and the struggles with loneliness today. Jesus said it like this right before he left earth. After he rose from the grave, he talked to his disciples. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach the new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure, be sure of this one. All right, you can, you can take this one to the bank. I am with you. Say it with me. Always. I'm with you. Always, even when you don't feel it, even when you have doubts, even when you have worries, God is with you. Even when I screwed up, even when I made that mistake, even when I turned my back on him, as we'll see today, God is with you always, always. You are not alone. So today I want to look at four battles 
that we must overcome when we struggle with loneliness. The first one is this. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. If you're not taking notes, you can write this down. Um, the phrase, all I need is Jesus. All I need is Jesus is a lie. It sounds, it sounds very spiritual to say. Um, looks great on a coffee mug. Might get a few amens. All I need is Jesus. But that's, that may be true for salvation, but not how to live life. And the best evidence of that is Jesus himself. That is not how he lived life. He would call people and he would say, hey, come follow me. Be with me. He would hang out with people who were far from God, who were, far, who were the outcasts, the ones who were the last picked. And he would hang out, with Je- hang out with them. And they actually liked Jesus. And then he even had like an inner circle. Like before he even started his ministry, he, he got 12 disciples. He got this group of guys. And even within those 12, he had like a group of three, Peter, James, and John that you just see them uh, coming off the page, almost like he invested in them even more. He always had a group of people, even in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he got arrested. And he's praying to God. Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane saying, hey, I don't want to go through this. If there's any other way, take this cup from me. And he had his guys with him. And he was like, hey, guys, I'm going to pray. I need you guys to pray with me. I know it's late at night. Please don't fall asleep. Like, pray with me. And he would come back to him and he's like, why do you fall asleep? I need you guys. Like, I, come on. Like Jesus's life, he wasn't isolating himself from people. He was always with people. And then when he died on the cross in those 12, they turned tail and they ran. Peter denied Jesus. Like, I don't even know the dude. Judas, he betrayed him. All the rest of them ran, scared hypocritical even, because they said, no, we'll never leave you, Jesus. We got your back, man. No matter what, we're with you. And then when the time came, they bailed. And when Jesus rose from the dead, that night, Sunday night, he went back to those people and said, I'm with you. Peace be with you. That's what we looked at last week. And he sent them on a mission. One other disciple still wasn't there. That's where we're going to pick up today in the book of John. One of the disciples named Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. So he wasn't there that Sunday night. And so they, the disciples, told him, they said, we saw Jesus. We saw the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe unless I see the nail wounds in his hands. I put my fingers into them and I place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. You didn't know Jesus was a ninja, but apparently he is. Uh, You can just slip right through. I don't know how. I just, anyway. Peace be with you, he says. He says it again. And then he, he said to Thomas, put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand into my wound on my side. Don't be faithless any longer, but believe. Or in another, in some of the, your translations says, don't be unbelieving, but believe. All we need is Jesus is a lie. It was, it was never the model, and it's not how Jesus lived his life. I have here a, uh, a little Tykes basketball goal. And so 
Currently in my house, I have a six-year-old and a, and a three-year-old son. And so we have some awesome games right now of horse or we, 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 you know, we're playing basketball in the living room, not trying to destroy anything. But I mean, I'm playing against my six-year-old and I can just come in and I'm like finger roll. I can go no look. And I mean, I'm awesome. And growing up as a little kid, I had one of these. And I had a Nerf net in my room, and I could put it in the kitchen, or I could put it in my room. And I mean, back in the, in the 90s and the 80s, you know, it's Michael Jordan, Dominique Wilkins, Patrick Ewing. Some of you guys are like, I don't even know who that is. It's okay. But I mean, I was in my room, and I would be playing all the time. And I had these games, and I'm like, you know, fadeaway jumper, boom, it's good to go. And now we're going to go, like, I can cross over dribble, Go around, slam dunk, boom. And then, you know, it's my house. You don't bring anything into my house. I'm the Kimbe Matumbo. So, you know, I'm, I'm guarding the imaginary offensive guy, and he's dribbling in, and he wants to bring it in. And it's like, boom, get that out of here. Not in my house, you know. Thank you. You know, catch the pass. Go in. Dunk. Crowd's going crazy. My parents thought I was weird. I thought I was weird. I didn't care. I won so many NBA championships in my house. I mean, LeBron had nothing on me. I was the greatest of all time. And you guys are looking at me weird. It was never how basketball was supposed to be played. Like it was in my head. I'm a short dude. When I actually got into middle school and high school and I joined the team to play, I was not that great. <laughs> You're like, duh, I know this. But what I learned was that was never the model. That was never the intention for us to be in our house, in our room, playing basketball. Like, that's fun and that's great. But I missed the, the core concepts that basketball was bigger than the game. It was meant to be played with the team. And when, when, I, when I joined a team, yeah, my skills weren't that great. But I learned the bigger things about being a part of a team. When we celebrated, when we won, we celebrated together. When we got knocked down, we, picked, we were right there to pick one another up. When we needed to persevere, we coached one another. We corrected one another. We needed a coach to tell us that we were wrong. We needed that support. It was basketball. <laughs> it's a contact sport. By myself, all by myself in my room, I never got bumped. Christianity is a contact sport. We're not throwing punches at one another, but he said, go! Go into the world. Tell people that Jesus loves them. You were never supposed to withdraw and be locked inside a house. He's going into the disciples saying, I know you're afraid. I know when you go out there, you're going to be uncertain. I know you're going to have questions. I know you're going to doubt. I know it's going to hurt again, Thomas. This is contact sport. And you're meant to get out of here. Christianity, Christianity, the all I need is Jesus is a lie. That's not how Jesus ever, ever lived. In fact, Hebrews says it like this. It says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some do, but encourage one another. Spur each other on. Don't neglect meeting with one another, but spur each other on. Second thing, we need to get back in the room. Thomas wasn't there. Thomas had missed the first one, and Thomas gets labeled as a doubter. But I want to argue maybe Thomas wasn't there that Sunday night because he cared so much. 
Like Jesus, his leader, had, had died. He saw it. He had, he had ran away and, and, and abandoned Jesus in his worst moment. Maybe he had some internal conflict in dealing with that. Judas had just betrayed him. And it's not like they all knew, oh yeah, Judas is the one. Obviously, he's going to betray him. Judas was the treasurer. Who do you leave in charge of the money? Not the, not the, the, the shadiest person in the room, right? Probably the most trusted and then he turned, you know, and then he, you know, they hung out together. So they were probably friends. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to argue that Thomas, maybe, maybe he cared so much. And there was so much hurt and so much that he had brought to the table. And it seemed lost that he couldn't bring himself to be back together in the room with those guys. And I would argue for a lot of us in the room here today, if you've had any sort of history with church, and I know from a lot of your stories that I've heard, we are so wounded by the church. And it is a fight just to get in the room here today. You're like, it, 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 it's so hard for me to open up to this again and get back in the room. But let me tell you something. Thomas got back in the room. Give him credit. Eight days later, he was back in the room. Whatever reason he wasn't there, he got himself back in the room. And here's what I know. He wasn't in the room the first time and he missed out on the presence of Jesus. There is power to being in the room. He missed out on the joy and the peace. And he had eight more days of frustration. He had eight more days of fear, eight more days of worry, eight more days of anxiety and uncertainty. That the rest of those guys, when they saw it, they said, no, we don't need any more evidence. We saw it. Thomas, we saw it. He's like, I ain't believing. Not till I see it. And they're like, well, you ain't changing us because we saw it. There is the trajectory, the trajectory of your purpose in life, your mission, your, your ministry in life is determined by your presence in the room. Are you, pre I mean, you can be here and you're like, hey, I'm here present. But like, are you checked in? Or is this a check off the box, off the list? Presence. There's power of the presence because he showed up. And it said eight days later, Jesus didn't, you know, it wasn't like, oh, I showed up and then Jesus answers all my stuff. No, 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 no. It was eight days later. But I don't care if it's eight hours later, eight days later, eight months later, eight years later. God is still God and he's still on his throne. So even though I don't see it, even though I have my questions, I'm going to keep coming back to him and getting in the room and getting in the room and getting in the room. And then eventually I trust he will show up and I will see him and I will experience him. But you got to be in the the room. If you're out the room doing your own thing, your own way, there is no guarantees. But I trust if you are 100 after God, seeking his presence, you draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Not on your time, on his time, but I'm going to keep coming back to him. Which leads to the third thing, which is you got to work through the hurt. Whatever church wounds you have, and most of us, we have them, and a lot of us in this room, let me tell you, you, you may not know it from the person next to you, but we are carrying some heavy scars. So much so that we're like, I, 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 I shouldn't even be here, but here I am. And you got to work through the hurt. Here's one thing I've learned in life. Jesus will never waste a hurt. If you give it to him, he will never waste a hurt. Look what he tells Thomas. He says, put your finger here. 
Look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound on my side. Like, dude, I didn't go through this for nothing. I'm going to waste this hurt. Look at this. And for some of us here, we're saying, how? How can I move forward after what has happened to me? How can I believe that there will be some sort of good that comes out of this? And all I, all I know to do, because I've seen it in my own life of God just restoring me, is, is this image of I'm broken and I'm shattered into pieces emotionally, mentally, relationally. I'm in a wreck. God, here's my pieces. Because I'm going to give it to you again and you can make me whole. I trust that you can. And then I go... And then something else shatters me and it rips me into pieces. And the only thing I know to do is, God, here's my pieces and I need help fixing it again. And I'm just going to, I'm broken. I need help. I'm broken. You're the fixer. You're the healer. You're the compassionate one. You're the savior. I need you because I can't fix it myself. What is the hurt that you need to work through in your life? Because the greatest gifts in life or on the other side of your doubts. Thomas brought his doubts to Jesus and it led to discovery. Jesus died for the doubter. He died for those betrayers. And he says, look, look what I did for you. Thomas, that doubter, what we know of him historically is that he was one of the, the first missionaries to Asia. That he took this gospel thing farther than any other disciple did. Most of them stayed in the Jerusalem area. Thomas went to India. And you could go to India today and still see some of the work that he had started there in India. He went, that's why one of the reasons I argue maybe he cared so much. Because this dude took it so far. It led to discovery. And finally... Finally, as we get back in the room and we work through our hurt, we got to fight to trust again. And it is a fight. Thomas had a, had a come to Jesus moment or a Jesus came to him moment where he had a decision to make. He had a choice to make. And he said, my Lord and my God. Big G. Jesus didn't stop him, say, no, 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 just a little, no, it's, the, you got it right, Thomas. Thomas had a, an OMG moment, my Lord and my God, he exclaimed. And then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing, and that's us today. We don't have the privilege of seeing Jesus face to face, but those disciples did. And they all gave account and witness to this, like, this is everything we've seen and everything we've heard. you got to spread this word and tell as many people as you can. And we are recipients of them continuing to pass down firsthand uh, uh, what they saw and what they heard and trying to spread that out. And we got to fight to trust again. And I know if you're like me, you're, you're hearing this idea of loneliness and church hurt and church wounds and all I need is Jesus is a lie. And man, do I need to plug back in? Do I need to join a connect group? Do I need to maybe look at serving? Do I need to maybe just even come back again next week? And there's all this anxiety and intention in our life. It's like it's screaming out to us. No, because you're going to get hurt again. 
There's uncertainty. And I don't know how it's going to turn out. Those people, they really don't care about you. Can I, can I really trust people? And all I want to say to you today is I have listened to the lie of loneliness for too long in my life. The, the taunts that it just slams in my face that no one cares. The, the, it's like screaming at me to say, you're just going to get hurt again. Don't do it. And I've listened to that lie for way too long. For me to stop right here. To know what I know. To know what I have experienced. To see what I have, have seen with Jesus in my own life and working in my own life and change. If I stop right here with all my questions of how, God, I don't see it. When, God, I've been waiting. Where? What? Who? If I stop in my questions, I will never see the power and the purpose and the promises of God truly be fulfilled in my life. There will always be something left in reserve. So you and I have to make a choice. Are we going to listen to loneliness or are we going to take our next step? Just one step in our relationship with Jesus today. Say, my Lord and my God, I trust you again. Loneliness will play some mind games with you. And too many of us have allowed that to fester. It's like when we failed or we screwed up or we feel like we're not enough and we've run and we've hid from God, just like Adam and Eve did when we should have been running to him knowing, hey, you give me your all. Jesus, he's, got it. he's already paid it all for you. Just come home. Just come and have a relationship. Let's take one step together at a time and do this together. All I need is Jesus is a lie. We need each other. When I have a bad day, I need you to pick me up. When you have a bad day, you want me to pick you up? We want to celebrate the wins together. I got to get back in the room again. Some of us, God's speaking to you today, saying you need to get back in the room again. You need to be present. Not just physically in the room, but present with me. He wants a relationship with you. Some of you, he's, he's, he's saying, hey, you got to work through some hurt. He's not going to waste it. And it's tough. Oh, working through the hurt is tough. And then some of you today, you got to fight to trust again. You got to fight to trust again. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for today. It's a sacred moment to be here with you, to be with your people, to worship you freely, but to know that you love us and you gave everything for us, even in our doubts and our unbeliefs, even through our failures and our mistakes. And God, I know I can't do a thing about what has happened in my life, but I know I have a choice. I can stay bitter and angry and allow that to dominate my thoughts and thinking. To keep just replaying all the people who've walked out on my life and blame them for the reasons I'm feeling the way I'm feeling or acting the way I'm acting. Or I can choose to love. I can choose to forgive. I can choose to trust. 
I can follow you to set some wiser boundaries. I can, I can choose to bring my broken pieces to you faster than what I've been doing before because I can't do it alone, Jesus. I need your help. For some of you in here today, maybe God's calling you to a relationship for the very first time. Maybe you've known about Jesus but you've never had a relationship with him. And so, Father, I pray today that you would, you would speak to their hearts directly in this moment to let them know how much you love them, that you're not condemning them, but you want a relationship with them. So I just want you to silently pray a prayer with me. If you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, you can just pray this with yourself, to yourself. It doesn't save you, but it speaks from your heart to, to God. Say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner, but today I ask you to forgive me for all my sin. Jesus, come into my life to be my Lord and my Savior and my forgiver. And in the best way I know how, I receive you and I receive salvation. Thank you for saving me. With everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer for the very first time in your life, and you meant it, and you want to start a relationship with Jesus today. You may not know everything that's going to take place. I don't know what all that is going to take place, but I just want to take that first step, that next step of starting a relationship with Jesus. If you play that today for the very first time, would you please just raise your hand high so I can see it? If you said yes to Jesus and you wanted to start a relationship with him. Father, I thank you for today. And I thank you for this time here together at Freedom Church. What a blessing it is to be a part of this church, your church. And we want to continue, continue not to lead a life of loneliness, but one that is together, taking next steps together. We pray that in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the podcast at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. A few next steps that you can take coming out of this. One is head to our website and let us know just exactly how we can help you take your next step. Also, if we have had a positive impact in your life or in your family and you want to partner with us financially, you can go to our website and click give. That will get the message out so we can impact more people through this ministry. And finally, click the subscribe button. That way you know you get the latest content from the podcast as well as rate it, review it. That will help get the message out to others. Hope you have a, a wonderful week. Thanks again for listening.